Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And my friend Ron Wright is with us today. I've interviewed Ron before, but I'm so glad to have him back again. I want you all to say hello to him. And Ron, say hello to all of us. <laughs> Hi, Paul. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much, Paul, for doing this. I really always enjoy our conversations together. Thank you. Well, I do too. And, you know, as I was looking back, I started doing these podcasts three years ago. Podcast number 104 and 106 were with you. Those were recorded almost to the day two years ago, uh, actually March 5th, two years ago. And the podcast that we're doing today is number 327. Wow. Uh, So this has just been a wonderful experience for me to be able to interview you and the other folks that I've had on the show. And we're going to talk about those interviews and the book that goes along with that in a little bit. But I wanted to start out with, I'm not going to give people your background other than to say, You are an ontological mystic (laughs) whose wonderful prose just seems to flow out of you without any effort at all. And you encourage people around the world with that. And I've been encouraging you to put those things into a book, which hopefully will happen. But Ron is a great inspirer and he is indeed a mystic. I'll let him explain what that is a little bit later on. I've come to realize we're all mystics. But Ron, tell us what you're seeing. You live in Canada. Tell us what you're seeing online and around the world with this rapidly exploding wave of people whose lives are changing because they're starting to see the truth of God's unconditional love and grace for everybody. How are you seeing all of this? You know, as we were talking a little earlier about the COVID pandemic, I think everybody being shut in and shut away has made us realize the value of connection and community, that we don't exist in isolation. Truth doesn't. Truth is whole. It embraces everyone and everything. And, you know, at the end of the day, we can't escape the truth of our being, right? It's a reality that is just too big. It's too loving. It's too all-encompassing. We're going to run into that at some point in our life, no matter (laughs) where you are, what you're doing, what you're chasing, what you think your life is about. The reality is the truth that makes us what we are is just too big and too profound. Perhaps that's part of the reason why we don't see it so quickly, is it is profound and tremendously deep. And I think A lot of people are living their lives on a very shallow level, you know, and it's not anybody's fault. Mm -hmm. That's how we've learned to survive, right? Mm, We've learned to do what works that gets us through the day and gets us fed into bed at night safe. So, you know, it's nobody's fault, but the reality is we can't stay in those shallows and we can't stay pursuing those things that are just impermanent and are going to pass away in our life. 
So I think what's happening around the world is that we're living in kind of an unprecedented time. It's almost like the truth is waking up inside of us, everyone, and saying, hello, you know, I've always been here. I've always been in love with you. And I'm seeing that. And it's not confined to any one specific religion either. This is the mm -hmm. profound thing about it. I'm seeing this across the board. Christians, Muslims, Buddhists, New Age philosophers, and nine to five workers. I mean, it's really amazing. Mm -hmm. People are coming to the reality of who and what they are. And they may not have the vocabulary, you know, to even describe what it is they're looking for or what it is that they're sensing. But I think on a global level, consciousness has kind of taken a step deeper, you know? And I think that's one reason why a lot of things in the world just aren't working anymore. Things <clears throat> can't continue on that surface level with no depth, no roots to our spiritual well-being. And those things are coming down. The Bible says <clears throat> that God is in us an unshakable kingdom, yet we're living in times where everything seems to be getting, is shaking, you know? <clears throat> But that's probably a good thing because it's revealing to us the things in us that can't be shaken, which is the truth mm. of God and who mm. and what he is. And that yeah. we are so completely immersed in that reality. You really can't take one out of the other, you know? Yeah. So I think that's kind of what is happening. I think there is a spiritual step down into the depths that's happening and it's going across boundaries of tribal religions. It's going across the boundaries of description even. It's part of the reason why I have taken this path of what I call a mystic or mysticism, because a mystic is someone who experiences the truth, wants that experience of truth in their life, in their being, not just heady intellectual, I've got all the doctrines right, I've got all my beliefs set together, here I go, this nice little package of beliefs, I've got it right. A mystic says, no, 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 it isn't about getting all your beliefs right. It's getting that experience of truth inside of you, because even if you can't define what that is, but once you experience it, you just step into a bigger part of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And it's deeply satisfying. It is. Yeah, I, I'm just taking notes because I, I learned so much from you and I I, I I don't want to miss. I can go back and listen, of course, but I, I want to make sure I get it. <laughs> yeah. Mystics experience truth. And uh, yeah. And again, I think everyone is a mystic. Most of us just don't know it or don't have a good definition of what mystical is to begin is, with. Yeah. yeah. But experiencing truth, hearing from the divine, hearing from God in us. You live in Canada, and I was visiting with a friend of mine, Brad Jerzak, a few months ago, and he was talking about his work with indigenous, I think he calls them First Nation people Yes, uh, yes. Uh, in Canada, and how mm -hmm. I think it was the evangelist Charles Finney who said they came here to evangelize the natives, and they found that Jesus had been in them for centuries. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Very true. And in many ways, they were much more spiritual than those who came to help them become spiritual. Yeah. And uh, they had different names. Yeah, that's right. I think if you perceive spirituality as a language, right? So there's a Christian language, a Buddhist language, a Muslim language. You know, I know English, I know a little bit of French, learning it in, in high school, and a little bit of Spanish. 
And those are the languages I'm familiar with. So if I'm going to communicate, I'm going to use a language I understand. You know, I'm not going to talk in German or Russian because I don't know those languages. Right. And so if you look at various religions in that way, they have a language in order to describe the truth. And it's not the language that's important. I mean, languages are obviously are important, but it's the truth they signify. Yeah. Right. And so just what you said, you know, when people came to Canada, for example, and the various uh, missionaries, uh, Catholic missionaries and Jesuits and so on, who wanted to evangelize the native people that were here, they found the indigenous people had a very deep spirituality. And they had different language terms for God and different terms for what we would call salvation and enlightenment or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yet they did have those terminologies. And what was more important is they had those experiences, you know, and that's why I always say mystics speak the same language. Religions speak specific languages, but mystics have the ability to speak all languages because a mystic is saying, I want to experience the truth in my own being. Right. And whatever the language is for that, it doesn't matter. I just want to be able to experience that and know it for myself. So that's really what I remember when I, as a Christian, when I was in Bible school and everything, the term mystic was looked at with (laughs) some uh, nervousness, you know, just (laughs) using the term. And I remember so many well intentioned friends of mine would say, well, you know, I don't live by my experiences. I live by the word of God. You know, if it's in the word, I believe it. You know, you can't trust your experiences. And I always used to say to them, but Paul wrote the New Testament through an experience. You know, he had a living experience of Christ. He wrote down the revelations that he did out of experience. In fact, the entire Bible, right, all the sacred text flows out of people who had an experience and then wrote it down in their language, culture, and understanding. So what you said earlier, Paul, you're right. Everybody's a mystic. We just, we just don't know it. You know, we don't use the term, but we're all mystics. Yeah. So well said. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about Paul lately. And one of the things that the Lord showed me is, you know, Paul mentions that God took him up into the third heaven or however it's translated in different places. And he showed him things that were too magnificent for him to to even explain. Uh, But he did explain some of those mysteries. And I think one of the things that God showed Paul when he took him there was the people who were already there. And I think Paul saw Judas and whoever the people were before that religion would say they ain't going to be here. <laughs> They're not going to and make I, it. And I think that's in great part what prompted Paul to get his understanding of grace and grace to all people and why he wrote so many times about all, you know, Christ is in all and for all and through all and all of these different things. I, Of course, we know the Lord taught him personally in the Arabian desert for some number of years, and that would be a mystical experience for sure. But I get this picture of him going there and the Lord saying, look around, Paul, what do you see? Judas. Judas. (laughs) My man. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't prove that, but I think people of all religions have had the similar experiences. Not that everybody's going to be taken up to the third heaven, whatever that is, but God reveals himself to us 
And what's your observation, Ron? How does it change people's lives when they start to get this revelation? Well, I think a part of it is that they see how profoundly deep and eternal their life really is. When you get the insight and the revelation that what you really are was never born and never dies, Mm. that what you really are also includes every other thing. I mean, if we're going to use the term truth, Mm. it has to touch everything. Truth is whole. It it doesn't have all these parts and pieces, some of which are Mm. discarded, some of which are ostracized. The truth has to be truth for every man, woman, and child, whatever religion you're in, whatever your economic condition is, whatever your life circumstances are, Mm -hmm. truth is that big. So even if we touch a little bit of that, it changes everything about our life for a number of reasons. One is we realize we're not separate, you know, (laughs) everything, everything inter is. So now suddenly my little life that I thought was so separate and independent, everything I do, all of my actions are deeply influencing all the rest of the truth, every other person, every other being, you know, so suddenly now my life and its expression and what I do with my life is literally impacting everybody else in the world. So that's a big shift, you know, oh, man. I'm, I'm no longer a separate person. All of my man. actions are interacting with the rest of, of it and either contributing to its skillful practice or unskillful practice, right? Mm-hmm. right. So I think that that's a, a part of it, right? That when people touch any part of this truth, you're touching something so much bigger than your little ego, your little self, what I like to, you know, call the little me, you know, and, yeah. the, and its storyline of survival. Yeah, We're a lot bigger than this little me storyline of just getting through the day. The storyline isn't about me. It's actually a storyline about all of us. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it, it instantly makes us compassionate, maybe not completely, Mm. But to whatever level you see that reality, it suddenly makes you Mm. compassionate because everybody else is a part of you and you're a part of them too. Yeah, gosh, that's really good. I would agree. I see those, I don't know if you want to call them character traits or uh, obviously they're fruit of the spirit, but uh, I see those things in people. And once we realize that we're not separate, that we're not alone, that we're not in us by ourselves, guys, to me, it takes all the pressure off. Of having to, uh, wow. <laughs> of having, really to does, isn't it? having to convince somebody to say the magic words or go through the right classes or whatever to become like me, when deep down I, I know what me is uh, isn't working so well. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So generally, you can divide spiritual paths up into two ways. One is adding on to you. You realize this separate little me isn't full and complete. And so you go on a mission to find that truth, to add to yourself. The other way to do it, which is seemingly the opposite end of things, is to start taking things away, realizing, you know, this little me's agenda, that's not the truth. My feeling isn't the truth. This thought isn't the truth. And you reduce, reduce, reduce until you get down to the truth. So either way you go, 
climb up to the truth or descend down into the truth, you're going to run into it. <laughs> the only place that isn't beneficial is staying in the middle and thinking this little independent me is all that there is. So either way you go, whether it's the positive way or what we would call in spirituality, the negation, the, the negative way, mm-hmm. you end up coming to the truth because it can't be avoided. Yeah. And that certainly happened to me. I On a couple of different occasions in my life, I just came up empty because what I'd been taught to do, I followed the rules and did everything and as hard and as good and as best as I could and came up empty. So I don't know if that correlates with your going down to find the truth mm-hmm. or not, but uh, yeah, th- yeah, that got me to the point where I certainly wanted to know the truth. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was open. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, about touching this deeper reality of God in our life is that as you so uh, adequately uh, speak about in many of your podcasts and so on, is there's so much love there. You know, this love is what we're made out of. This is what our life has issued out of. And yeah. he, God isn't just in <clears throat> love with us. He's crazy in love with us. Yeah, We just can't even begin to fathom the kind of love that God has for us that is so personal it is so intimate it is so all inclusive and we struggle in our mind so much with believing that because of course daily circumstances and contradictions in our life would mm-hmm. scream in our face that well you know god really loved you why would this be happening to you but the reality is he does he's crazy crazy in love with us and this is the the play, The other thing that touching the truth uh, makes us realize is we just realize no matter what you do, you're mm-hmm. just loved. So you might as well just be real in the journey yeah. because uh, God loves us despite all of our mistakes and misaimings and wanderings and blunders, you know. Yeah. That, that love is the truth, not our experience. Oh, man. It's so true. I. Music is my background, particularly jazz music. And uh, yeah. Duke Ellington was a great band leader and songwriter and uh, piano player. I had his band for almost 50 years. A lot of the same personnel over that period of time. Some people were with him 30, 43 years, some stuff like that. And he wrote a lot of great songs, had a very distinctive style. And he wrote a lot of love songs. I'm able now, the spirit has helped me see a much deeper meaning in a lot of those songs. But one thing that I remember fondly, the different times that I heard Duke Ellington's band in person, then got to know some of the people who played with him and then, you know, listened to recordings and stuff. Every concert that he did, and so people say for his entire career, he ended every concert. He loved the music. He loved the musicians. He loved the audience. Before he would walk off the stage after the uh, last encore, he would say, love you madly. <laughs> and he did. He, he loved I love the it. people and the music and all that madly. Yeah. What a picture of God. You were just no talking kidding. about. He's not mad at us. He's madly in love with us. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. No kidding. He really is. For me, this is the beautiful story of Christ, you know, coming in such a meek and humble fashion as he did, humbled as a man, even dying to the point of death on the cross, taking all of our hate and all of our uh, vileness, uh, lashing out at our concept of a, of a God who didn't love us, didn't care about us, and 
and he submitted, you know, rather than fighting back, he just gave in and surrendered himself mm-hmm. at the lowest point of humankind's activity, you know, killing yeah. God, you know, and he surrendered to that just to show us, you know, like there's no judgment here. There's no anger. There is no fighting back. Do to me whatever you want to do. I just, I love you. Yeah. You know? Man, that story, that reality is really hard to shake when you realize that you're It is. And we get have the great privilege of telling people that. Gosh, I heard a fairly well-known pastor speaker say just a couple of days ago, talking about God pouring out his wrath on Jesus. And we get to tell people, no. That's not what happened. That's <laughs> right. not what happens. He, he submitted to us. He willingly took it to yeah, show our, us our wrath. his love. Yeah, right. It was our wrath. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, a bit of a hard concept for some of us who are steeped in traditional religion to get. But it's like you said earlier, truth wakes up in us. And when that wakes up in us, it's just like, wow, well, that changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah. And it does. <laughs> it really, it really does. I had a very uh, deep personal experience one time in prayer and I had, um, for lack of a better word, a, a very clear vision. And in this vision, I saw this incredible light and I just knew nothing was said. I just knew this was God, you know, and all of a sudden I got a little bit fearful, to be honest, because I felt like at, at any moment I was going to see God, the face of God. And I, and I started to get a little undone about, I'm not sure I'm ready for this as much as I've been praying for it. I'm not sure I'm ready. And then in the vision out of this cloud and Shekinah glory came the meek, gentle face of a lamb. And then it went back into the cloud and disappeared and came back out again in the face of a man. And the look in the eyes with so much love and so much tenderness, so much gentleness, so much just humility. And then I came out of that vision. That really profoundly changed me. There wasn't a wrathful deity with a thunderbolt <laughs> that came out of the cloud. <laughs> there was no sword swinging. No, no. There was a gentle face of a lamb willing to die. And there was a, the look of a man who was so humble and so tender that that was the face that's on God. Wow, that really said something to me. I'm not sure I can say anything after hearing that. (laughs) My gosh. Wow. I I just want to think about that and soak it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ron, our time is almost up. With your permission, we'll stop this recording and do another one that people will see a few days later, and we'll kind of pick up where we left off. So, Would love to, Paul. Would love yep. to. Thank you. And before we finish, tell people how they can connect with you, where they can see your writings and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So my website is uh, www.soulwind.ca. So you can go to my website that has a lot of information there about my ministry. And uh, I do have a book, Paul, it's done, it's ready to go. I've been looking at a publisher, so that'll be available soon. And also social media, Facebook, um, Soulwind, or you can go to Instagram, 
soulwind12. And uh, my uh, writings are there as well. Great. And I so encourage people to uh, connect with you because your writings are uh, in a league of their own and they encourage so many of us. And uh, oh, thank you. it's not just me that feels that way. Uh, a whole lot of people do. And I encourage people to go there. So thank you, Ron, for this time. And we'll do it again. Thank you so very much. God bless to you and everyone. You too. And thanks all of you for being with us for this edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And on the next edition, Ron and I will be back and we'll pick up where we left off today. So bless you all. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.